It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you struggling to lose weight and keep it off? Tired of wasting time and money on starvation diets that lead to more frustration and stress? If there was a weight loss solution that could actually work for you, would you try it? Then head to golo.com. I'm Steve. I lost 138 pounds in nine months on Golo. I'm Amber. I've lost 128 pounds with Golo. If you're ready to take back control of your life, head to golo.com now and see how Golo can work for you. That's golo.com. My sleep is way better. My inflammation has gone way down. Golo saved my life. I was way overweight. That's what sent me down the path. I wanted to make sure and live for my kid. I have literally tried everything. I was on the verge of getting gastric bypass surgery and I saw the Golo commercial and it was the last thing I tried because it worked. Join over 2 million people who found a better way to lose weight with Golo. Your healthier and happier life begins at Golo.com. That's G-O-L-O.com. Again, G-O-L-O.com. everybody this is rams up your favorite la rams podcast you can also follow us on youtube our youtube handle is at la rams up hey we're not insiders here we're just rams fans that love talking about our la rams i'm your host mark let's get to it Welcome back, Ram fans. Mark from Rams Up, episode 217 coming at you here. Man, just a lot going on. We will be dropping several pods this week. Had a long interview with Tom Quartz about the state of the Rams. 
covered a bunch of topics. We're going to share part of that with you in this episode, and we'll be dropping the rest of that conversation over the next couple of days. This episode, Tom and I discuss how the offensive line is going to shake out, how our potential pass rush is looking, what is the wide receiver pecking order, and how concerned should we be about the defensive line And then over the next couple of days, we'll get into undrafted free agents that are making their mark, draft picks that are at risk, and a few other topics. We'll also be dropping those conversations on the YouTube channel, so check that out. Lots of good stuff, good conversation with Tom. A bit of a sanity check for some of us, perhaps, about the state of the Rams. The Rams have those joint practices with the Broncos on Wednesday and Thursday, Aaron Donald will not be participating, but Darion Kendrick and Cooper Cup both returning to practice. And one note on a former Ram, cornerback Troy Hill has signed on with the Carolina Panthers. Thought he might return to the Rams. So we'll be back in a second with the first part of that discussion with Tom. And we're going to wrap up this episode by continuing our focus on Rams 2023 opponents Week three, the Rams travel to Cincinnati for a Monday night football game against the Bengals. So let's check in on them, one of the more formidable opponents on the Rams schedule this year. Hey, everybody, Mark from Rams up here. I have Tom Quartz back on board for another Rams discussion. How you doing, Tom? Hey, great. Great to be back. Um, So what Tom and I are going to do is we're going to touch on all things Rams. Well, not all things. Uh, There's like seven talking points we have here that we decided are worth talking about, merited discussion at this point. And we're just going to, let's just get into it. We'll go uh, start at the top. And the first thing, let's talk about the, um, the offensive line. And now I know you have some pretty strong opinions, uh, some thoughts on where the offensive line is headed. So I'll let you go. Speak to the speak to us. How do you feel about this office, offensive line? How do you think it's going to shake out? Yeah, um, I think that uh, I do still, even though Whitworth last night on that broadcast was penciling Noteboom in at the right guard position, I, he just hasn't gotten a lot of snaps there. And, it's, and he's now he's banged up a little bit. So I'm sticking with my prediction uh, on this podcast from nearly two months ago of, uh, of uh, uh, um, Jackson, Avila, Shelton, uh, Ankrum, and Havenstein. That's my prediction for the, uh, for the starters anyway. How about yeah, you? Yeah, no, that's probably pretty fair. If, if Noteboom was healthy, you know, I would go with Andrew Whitworth's uh, prediction that he would be the right guard. But yeah, it is a little um, dicey with him not having any snaps in the preseason. And the other thing that I heard someone post it, uh, I'm not sure who it was, one of the Rams writers, that Brian Allen, during the joint practices, looked the best, looked the best of all the Rams offensive linemen uh, in those uh, in the work with the Raiders. So I'm not sure if it's, uh, did you say Shelton at center? That was your prediction, right? Yeah, I think Shelton, he's a little bigger. Um they, uh, and I think, um, yeah, I do think he's a better center. I mean, I, I would be fine with Allen of all the, I mean, there's a, you know, if we, if we talk about the next three, then, uh, yeah, then we got to look at, uh, obviously Allen, 
Noteboom, and probably McClendon. Right. And I think Zach Thomas has a shot at making this team. Depends on how many they carry. And and, and that's what I've been saying about this offensive line throughout this uh, preseason is I don't know if it's going to be – I don't think it's going to be a great offensive line, but it's going to be deep and versatile, I think, with a lot of guys that can they can plug in at different spots. Um, so I, I'm – you know, obviously – the offensive line is going to be a critical part of this team, and I'm hopeful. But you know, I think I think we're going to be okay there. Yeah, I think the trenches, and we'll get to the defensive line in a second. Uh, but I think these the trenches are going to dictate this team's success. So they look to be okay in the secondary and um, at 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 uh, in the whole uh, defensive backfield. Um, I think they'll be okay at linebacker. They only play one or two. Um, and, uh, and then of course the rest of the offense on the Ram side is pretty well set. So this is going to be a tale of the trenches for sure this season and, uh, kind of like it was last season. Let's move on to the wide receiver pecking order. And let me start by saying that, you know, my original thought, I think most Ram fans, the original thought was the pecking order was cup Jefferson Atwell maybe Demarcus Robinson or Ben Skowronik, and then, you know, Nakua and some other guys, Tyler Johnson. Some people say Lance McCutcheon still. But it was interesting how much playing time and how late in the game Demarcus Robinson was playing, and Nakua did not play at all. So I'm wondering if Nakua is now our number four wide receiver. Skowronik was out there a lot too. What what are your thoughts on that? Am I over am I overthinking this right now? No, I I agree 100. percent I mean, uh, Nakua played about half the snaps in the Charger game, uh, and he didn't play at all last night, as you said. Obviously, along with Cup, uh, Jefferson, and Atwell. So I think you got four guys penciled in right there. Um, you know, in terms of the snap counts from last night, uh, not only did Demarcus Robinson play over 90 percent of the offensive snaps, he played 49 of the 54 offensive snaps. But so did Tyler Johnson. He played uh, 48 of the 54 offensive snaps. So both of those guys were on the field the vast majority of the game. Skoranek was only out there for 17 snaps, 30% of the snaps. So um, big difference there. I think Skoranek's going to make the team. I I would put him at number five. Um, And I really do think they are leaning toward Johnson and Robinson. Um, And uh, so that's, yeah, that's my take on the – on the offensive, uh, uh, I'm sorry, on the wide receiver pecking order. And you'd have to say at this point, you know, from a fan's uh, eye view, Tyler Johnson is winning that battle, but would they potentially carry both? I think so. Um, I think that I do. I agree. uh, Tyler Johnson is winning that battle and he is, he is not only getting targeted, but he is getting um, the most receptions on this team. Um, at the wide receiver position by a pretty hefty margin and um, over the, over both the first two games. So, I mean, maybe that's just a, a thing with, with Stetson Bennett, you know, every, as we know, receivers have their, you know, quote unquote comfort receivers that they just kind of know where they are. And, uh, and you know, you see that, see that happens on, on various teams when, especially when the second stringer comes in, usually it's a tight end, but um, so, and then last night, you know, obviously we're going to get to the tight ends, but, you know, similar situation. But uh, no, I, I do think that normally they carry seven. They could carry eight. 
um, you know, some of these guys are getting some uh, a good good run at at um, the special teams as well. So, but I feel like just to sum up, Robinson and Johnson being out there for ninety percent of the snaps, both of them for ninety percent of the offensive snaps, was pretty telling last night. And then Lance McCutcheon only getting five snaps was also very telling. Yeah, and Demarcus Robinson returned a kick as well, which surprised right. me. And Xavier Smith is a guy who I guess he's still a long shot, but he's a guy that could be something special in the return game. As he hasn't shown much, I mean, to be fair, you know, they keep saying that, but we haven't seen it yet. And, um, you know, he made some questionable uh, uh, punt, uh, you know, decisions uh, last week. So, you know, I think he's a, he'll be a a practice squad guy uh, probably along with, uh, Austin Trammell, and and Lance McCutcheon. Right. Okay, what do we got next? Let's talk about the pass rush. And again, you know, snap counts tell you a lot with the Rams. And the fact that Byron Young didn't play, I think that's a really good sign, right? I mean, that means that they are comfortable with the potential for him uh, producing on day one. Yeah, I think it's pretty – yeah, no, I agree with you. I think it's pretty clear that, you know, they're – counting him and in the, uh, you know, on one of the edges as a starter. And um, now we're battling it out between, uh, you know, Michael Hoy, who got 25% of the snaps, um, Nick Campton, 40%, uh, Keir Thomas got 50%, um, Hardy still in there with 31%. So, uh, and Ben Balkenberg, 50%. So they're really, look, I thought all those guys are pretty even. And I really feel like they're keeping an eye on all of them. They, they, these guys also uh, contribute pretty significantly on special teams, especially Hardy and Thomas. Uh, and Hampton's actually out there quite a bit as well, but particularly Hardy. Uh, Daniel Hardy is the, the has the highest percentage of special team snap snaps over the last two weeks by a pretty significant margin. Um, 75% of these special team snaps uh, last week and 66% this week. That's pretty hard to do. You got to be out there for, you know, most, uh, most, um, you know, most of the, uh, various offense or I'm sorry, special teams, um, units. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I do, but yeah, to sum up, um, Byron Young's got a spot, it looks like, and then the other guys are, are battling it out to, to see who could start. And then maybe they'll just rotate those guys over the course of the, uh, yeah. over the course of the season to keep four or five of them. Yeah, I mean, there's gonna someone's going to get cut, though. I mean, Keir Thomas and Michael Hoyt, to me, would have the inside track. Um, Nick Hampton, they're not going to they're not going to try to sneak him onto the practice squad as high as he was drafted. I don't think so. It really comes down to Daniel Hardy and Van Valkenburg, and then O'Shawn Mathis, who, due to the uh, injury, he's losing out. It looks like. Yeah, it looks like Mathis might. Um might just end up on the practice squad and being injured and banged up. Uh, he'll, um, you know, he won't get, uh, I don't think we get picked up right away. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, these guys, as much as they are contributing special teams, they might keep four or five or, you know, five of them or, or something. And so that could end up being um, Young and Hoy, Hampton, um, uh, Hardy and Thomas. Um, ben Balkenberg though, has really been standing out and yeah, doing a great right. job and he's really, uh, showing his, uh, show, you know, trying to, trying to make a case. Remember making the team isn't, isn't 
doesn't mean you're the best, you know, top 53 or top in your top in your um, position, position group, group. Right. Yeah. Because really they, when it comes down to the last couple of cuts, they're more looking at who would, who would be more likely to, to be able to stay on the practice squad versus get picked up. So let's say they like, when it comes to Hampton and Val Valkenberg, right? And so um, they would say, or Keir Thomas and, and, and Hampton, they would say, oh, we're going to keep Hampton on the 53 and um, put Thomas or Ben Valkenberg on the practice squad because they are much more, uh, much less likely to get claimed um, by somebody else. So, or signed by somebody else. So, you know, there is that too, right? We're not, we, we tend to talk about who deserves to make the team and that's not the entire calculus. Yeah. And the other part of it is, uh, I know this has happened to me every year. You see a guy that really produces in the preseason and, but you don't know what's going on in practices. And and like a guy like Keir Thomas, you know, most casual fans would probably assume he's on this roster He's made a few plays, you know, he's made a handful of plays. We don't know what's going on in practice though. We don't know if he's considered a guy that can really contribute on special teams. I'm not trying to downplay his, um, his chances of making this roster, just pointing out that it's a trap that you can fall into making these judgments based on their performance solely in a couple of preseason games. Yeah. And just to put it, uh, Kind of a note on Keir Thomas. Um, a lot of people think, oh, he was just on the practice squad most of the uh, season last year. He actually made the 53 last year, and um, he was uh, on the active roster for the first two weeks, and then he got um, dropped down to the practice squad in week three. So uh, I think he's a guy that could end up on the practice squad, and you know somebody like Ben Valkenberg or, or somebody might end up. What's your legacy? Miami-Dade residents produce six pounds of trash daily. Much of that is plastic and will remain in our environment long after we're gone. Be part of the solution. Eliminate single-use plastic. More at miamidade.gov slash plasticfree305. And one last note on this. I happened to see a um, a news bullet. Uh, Terrell Lewis, I believe, has three sacks for the Bears in the preseason. Two or three sacks. <laughs> so good for him. Okay. okay. Yeah. Next up, there's, there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of Rams to keep an eye on in uh, <laughs> plenty of X Rams to keep an eye on around the league, especially this year. Yeah, that's for sure. I'll have to do uh, I'll have to do a regular segment on that, perhaps. Let's see. Oh, I'm going to let you shoot from the hip on this because I know you have some strong feelings about the defensive line. And I'll, I'll just let you take it away. How do you how you feeling about our defensive line at this time? I mean, it's a it's an absolute you know sieve. I just it's it's. I was on a space with um, Raiders fans last night after the game, and uh, you know they made a note that uh, that the it was the I guess the and the announcers actually said it twice at the beginning of the game that the uh, it was the Raiders first first team offense against the Rams second team defense. And I mean, obviously Aaron Donald's not out there and, um, and, you know, uh, and so forth, but, you know, for the, for the most part, the rest of the Rams offensive line starting potential starting defensive line, I'm sorry, was out there. And, um, and they were getting just chewed up 
and it was uh, it, they all played about the same amount. I mean, there's but, clear... but they got hurt. I think their their run defense was significantly better. Actually, you know, let me put it this way: the Raiders did most of their damage through the air. Uh, not really. Look at some. Look at the average um, average uh, yards per carry in the first quarter. It was nasty. It was over five. And um, I mean, it's, you know, it's it's that seven yard run on the at the for the touchdown on the goal line was just telltale. It's just it was a wide open, you know, it was a huge gaping hole. So, I mean, okay, was it better than the charge? I think the charge. I think the one to you know for comparing the two, the Chargers did a lot. They they did damage up the middle and around the edge. At least last night, the Raiders weren't trying to run around the edge. They're much more of a of a power gap type of a running team. Um, and so they were more up the middle. They didn't, you know, the takeaway is, wow, we didn't get gashed on the edge again. But, yeah, no, the, the holes in the middle were, I think, very similar. Um, you know, potentially not quite as bad, but it's not good. It's not good. And if if we can't figure this out, I mean, Bobby Brown, um, they said on the telecast, you know, can flash here and there and make a play, but he's not an every down kind of a guy. Um, his motor's not always running. Uh, they're running, they're playing Kobe Turner. Um, in, you know, he's, he's an undersized guy and they're playing him kind of closer to the middle as well. And he's getting blown off the ball. Um, you know, all of these guys are playing about the same, you know, in terms of their, their, how, their quality, but it's not, uh, it's not up to par. It'll be very interesting to see what they do here. If there's any position group that, has a likelihood of, of the Rams claiming players when literally 1,200, you know, or 11 to 1,200 players get cut after next week's preseason game. This is the position group that I think they're going to target. Yeah. And yeah, I guess the question is, is how much of a difference is Aaron Donald and Ernest Jones going to make? I mean, obviously they're going to help a little bit, but they're going to have to help a lot. Yeah. And Ernest Jones, I mean, he, he's, he's, He's going to help a lot, but you know, I, I don't think that the guys that are playing been playing inside linebacker against the run anyway. Um, you know, Roseboom and Hummel and Woodbay and these guys, you know, they're all good tacklers. They can fill a gap. It's not, it's not like you know the the thing that makes Jones special is his is his ability to uh, is his ability to you know pass pro and do what these other guys do, you know, yeah. better in both categories. So, uh, you know, I just, I, Rose Boom's a great, you know, Hummel are great, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, kind of Troy Reader-esque tacklers. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't think that that factors into the, uh, the deficiency or it's not going to help the, against the run. Let's just put it that way. So you are disappointed with Kobe Turner at this point? No, not necessarily. I mean, he's just, I feel like he's, um, I feel like if he were, uh, uh, I feel like if he had a little bit more help, if you will, I mean, I think when Aaron Donald's out there, he's going to get a lot more attention and, and Turner will be better. I mean, everybody will be better with Donald on the field. Don't get me wrong. But uh, it's just what we're trying to do now is assess who's a difference maker without somebody taking a bunch of attention. And so far, nobody, literally none of these guys, not one of them has stood out. Yeah, fair enough. Well, let's get off of that topic. You're really depressing me, Tom. Let's move on to 
Let's move on to something. <laughs> the statistics are depressing me, and it's, <laughs> and it's not like either of these teams have you know top notch offensive lines and and yeah. uh, and attack and running attacks. Um, it's uh, these are supposed to be our number ones or close to it, and it's not. Uh, yeah, that's pretty. But we knew this going in. Yeah. We knew it was going to be a tryout type of a season, and uh, of all the position groups, this is the one that doesn't have a lot of reinforcements coming off the bench. You know, every other position group on this team has, you know, starter starter level guys that haven't played or have played very little coming off the bench in week one against Seattle, and except for this position group and um, the front seven. And it's uh, so that's very worrisome. Yeah, and that's a fair point. And I did, I did, I think, take took a mental note during the game that, Guys like Copeland and Bobby Brown, I mean, they're, they're calling them the Rams second teamers. They're actually potentially starters at this point. That's right. That's right. Yeah. We'll be back with the rest of that conversation over the next couple of days. Next up, a close look at the Cincinnati Bengals, the Rams week three opponent. from Rams Up. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Continuing our series, taking a close look at the Rams 2023 opponents. We're going to take a hard look at the Rams week three opponent, the Cincinnati Bengals. They play them on Monday night, week three, September 25th. Bengals have changed their culture. They appear to be a perennial contender for the AFC title. Last year, they started out four and four, They closed with eight straight wins if you dismiss the suspended game against the Bills, finished up 12-4, winning the extremely competitive AFC North. They beat the Ravens in the wildcard game, and in my opinion, they kind of got screwed having to play in that wildcard game in the first place. That was due to the suspended game. But they beat the Ravens, move on to the divisional round, they beat the Bills, and then lost to Kansas City in the AFC Championship game. That was where they gave up that field goal after the late penalty on the sideline. So painful for Bengals fans, I'm sure. They just missed out on going to two straight Super Bowls. Statistically, they were the eighth-rated offense, the fifth-rated passing offense, pretty much middle-of-the-pack defense. Player stats, Joe Burrow, one of the best in the league at this point, threw for just under 4,500 yards. And remember, he had one game that didn't count. He had 35 TDs, just 12 interceptions. Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, one of the better wide receiver duos in the league, both over 1,000 yards receiving. Joe Mixon led the rushing attack 814 yards in 14 games. Logan Wilson led them in tackles. Trey Hendrickson, eight sacks. Their coaching staff, they're led by former Rams coach Zach Taylor, entering his fifth season there in Cincinnati. Their offensive coordinator is Brian Callahan. He's out of Concord de la Salle and UCLA, by the way. The DC is the famous Lou Anarumo, considered one of the best in-game adjusters in the NFL. And how about their 2023 draft? And this is yet another team where I look at their draft and I go, wow, this would have been a perfect draft for the Rams. Well, almost perfect. Their first pick, number 28 overall, was a defensive end, Miles Murphy out of Clemson. 
and then they got one of the faster cornerbacks in the draft, DJ Turner out of Michigan, pick number 95, and this is the one that probably wouldn't have been a great fit for the Rams' safety, Jordan Battle out of Alabama. I mean, good player, but that would have been too early for the Rams to draft a safety, right? And pick number 131, a wide receiver I really liked, Charlie Jones out of Purdue, otherwise known as Chuck Sizzle. He'll be playing with a shoulder issue all season, injury he suffered in camp. They also picked up running back Chase Brown out of Illinois. The wide receiver Andre Iosivas out of Princeton probably butchered that name, I know. And similar to the Rams, they drafted a punter, Brad Robbins out of Michigan, and cornerback DJ Ivy out of Miami. Free agent signings, well, they may have had the biggest free agent signing in the league, snagging left tackle Orlando Brown from the Chiefs, a $64 million deal. That is something that has plagued the Bengals for a while as weak offensive line play. Remember, Joe Burrow's rookie year, he got destroyed. So they finally addressed it. Brown should really solidify that offensive line. That offense could be even better in 2023. And a bonus from that transaction for the Bengals, it also weakens the offensive line of probably the one team that they're going to need to beat in the playoffs, the Kansas City Chiefs. They also have Rams former safety Nick Scott on board, and they also signed cornerback Sidney Jones, adding some depth in their secondary behind the starters, Woozy, Cam Taylor-Britt, and Mike Hilton. Jones is a former second-round pick. Bounced around the last couple of seasons. The Seahawks released them midway through 2022, and then the Raiders picked him up for the final nine games. Their departures are significant in the secondary. They lose both safeties, Jesse Bates and Von Bell. Remember, Von Bell is the one who had that hit on Cup in the end zone during the Super Bowl drew the penalty, and also drew Matt Stafford's wrath, gotten Bell's face, and the Rams scored a moment later. They also lost tight end Hayden Hurst. Key players, well, we've already mentioned five of them. Joe Burrow, the quarterback, he's going to be in for a big contract after this season. Wide receiver Jamar Chase, one of the best in the league, and he recently included Cooper Cup on his Mount Rushmore of the greatest wide receivers ever. So I'm liking Jamar Chase a little bit more today than I did yesterday. Joe Mixon, the running back, and Trey Hendricks in the defensive end. And you got to add left tackle Orlando Brown to that. And they also have one of the best kickers in the game, Evan McPherson. So Kyle and Ram connections, well, we already mentioned Zach Taylor and Nick Scott. They have tight end Devin Asiasi out of UCLA cornerback Marvell Tell out of USC, and defensive tackle Joe Tefelli also out of USC. Their schedule 17th hardest, so right in the middle. They start out with two divisional games at the Browns and at home against the Ravens, and they get the Rams at home on that Monday night. Then the at the Titans, at the Cardinals, and the Seahawks, they go to their bye. And then their two tough games at San Francisco at home against the Bills, Then they get the Texans, Ravens, Steelers, Jags, Colts, Vikings, Steelers, Chiefs, Browns. Their over-under is 11.5 as I speak. You know, I was trying to identify the fearsome four keys to their season, and I came up with three that were pretty solid, really struggled coming up with a fourth. 
The first thing they got to do is avoid a slow start like they did last year. Can't dig themselves a hole. Four and four after eight weeks may not cut it this year. The AFC is extremely competitive. The second thing they got to do is keep Joe Burrow healthy. And I think Orlando Brown may be the answer for that. And the third thing they got to do is hope their secondary plays well. They got a lot of changes back there, some new people. This defense has been vulnerable at times. Their defensive coordinator has made it work, but I think they're a little bit vulnerable on the back end. This group's going to have to prove they can play together. That's all I got. I got three keys to their season, and it's all really about Joe Burrow. Without Joe Burrow, this team becomes fairly average. What would you be talking about if they didn't have Joe Burrow? They're great wide receivers, Orlando Brown, and a great kicker. But Joe Burrow changes everything, changes the entire AFC. When Joe Burrow is healthy, watch out for this team in the playoffs. My final word on the Bengals. Well, their schedule is very balanced. They get the 49ers and Bills back-to-back, but other than that, there isn't an abnormally difficult stretch. This is a seasoned team that knows how to win, has great locker room leadership. They're going to be a tough out all year long and into the playoffs, as long as Joe Burrow is healthy, which is why, again, they went out and got Orlando Brown to protect him. I think the over-under 11.5 is spot on. I'm going to go with 11-6 and six or 12-5. and five. Let's go with 11-6. and six. And the reason I'm going with the lower number is just because the AFC is so tough. Their schedule isn't abnormally tough, but, but man, their division is tough. And they get the NFC West, the Seahawks, Rams, and 49ers. Some new guys on the back end. I'm going to go with 11-6, and six, but they'll be in the playoffs. And I would probably pick them to advance all the way to the AFC Championship game at this point. You're going to be talking about the Bills, Chiefs, and Bengals again, right? And it's going to come down to the last possession when these teams play. A lot of fun, a lot of excitement. Pretty stressful if you're a fan of one of these teams, but hey, good times in Cincinnati. They are a perennial playoff team and a contender for the AFC title, and I think they'll be right back at it this year. That's going to do it for this episode. We will be back a couple more times this week sharing more of that conversation I had with Tom, getting into a few additional topics, and of course sharing Rams news and notes as the Rams prepare for the third and final preseason game against the Denver Broncos this Saturday. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website at ramsup.com. And don't forget about our YouTube channel. Our handle is at laramsup.com. Until next time, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there. Music courtesy of the YouTube Audio Library. Tracks featuring Bar Crawl by Track Tribe. Buckeye Banzai by Vans in Japan, and Crimson Fly by Hamama. What's your legacy? Miami-Dade residents produce six pounds of trash daily. Much of that is plastic and will remain in our environment long after we're gone. Be part of the solution. Eliminate single-use plastic. More at miamidade.gov slash plastic-free 305.